Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. Oil prices have risen significantly over the past month. This rally comes amid a general improvement in global risk sentiment and also follows an announcement by Russia and Saudi Arabia that they will be voluntarily reducing supply. More recently, this past weekend, a Ukrainian drone attack on a Russian oil tanker has highlighted the risk of involuntary supply cuts amid the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. Yet in the meantime, China's economy remains lackluster and stimulus measures implemented there do not yet signal that it is on the cusp of a meaningful recovery. To help get an understanding of how the various moving parts on both the supply and demand sides of the global oil markets are likely to evolve going forward, this week I caught up with my colleague, Bob Ryan, who heads up BCA Research's Commodity and Energy Strategy Service. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Rakaya. Pleasure to be here. So, Bob, over the weekend, Ukrainian drones attacked a Russian naval vessel and an oil tanker, uh, which highlights the risk facing Russian commodity exports amid the ongoing war in Ukraine. But you've also highlighted in a recent report that the global oil market faces a supply risk from a large unilateral voluntary oil production cut from Russia. Uh, Last week, the Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak announced that Russia will voluntarily reduce oil exports by 300,000 barrels a day in September, and it's already pledged to cut its oil output by about 500,000 barrels a day from March until the end of the year. So we've seen oil prices rise since late June. To what extent do you believe the supply risk is adequately priced into oil markets at this point? And if not, what is your thinking in terms of the likely impact of Russian supply outages on oil markets? Great question. We don't think the market is fully dialed into the risk of a uh, supply shock from Russia, particularly as we go into the end of this year and into the first quarter of next year. What we're thinking and what we published, Matt Gherkin and myself in our respective services, uh, Matt is the head of our geopolitical service. So we did this special report and we assessed the risk of seeing a unilateral cut from Russia, anywhere from 1 million to 2 million barrels a day, and what the implications of that would be. And this would be an extension of their war strategy. And, you know, they would inflict immediate and direct harm on uh, Ukraine, uh, which will be in the process of implementing or executing on its endgame in this war at this point next year, and will want to impose as much economic harm literal physical harm as possible on the collective West, but mostly Ukraine and the U.S., which is leading the effort to supply Ukraine. So a big production cut, like on the order of 2 million barrels a day, they slowly ramping during the first quarter and fully in place by April of next year. Uh, 2 million barrels a day off the market from April to December could take prices through $160 a barrel. In, in our reckoning, which would spike a lot of inflation gauges, headline inflation, 
uh, it would reduce households' disposable income because much more of income would go to heating their homes, driving their cars. The rest of the economy would suffer. So you get this inflation impulse going into the market like we had last year uh, when Russia cut off the natural gas production uh, or and natural gas uh, shipments via Nord Stream 1 into the EU. And the Fed almost certainly would be compelled to consider or start signaling another interest rate hike. You know, that would depress economic activity and slow economic growth. So you'd start racking up all these headwinds where right now we have pretty much a a market that's still remarkably strong uh, in terms of consumption and supply strategies that are being implemented right now to reduce the uh, the overhang of crude oil inventory. We'll see. I mean, it, it's a very plausible scenario that Matt and I developed, and the implications of it could be uh, very important for interest rate policy, inflation, and economic growth next year. How would you expect Saudi Arabia to respond in this scenario? Last week, Saudi Arabia said it would extend a voluntary cut in oil production of 1 million barrels per day for another month to September. So there is spare capacity that it could bring online in the event of a massive supply shock. Do you expect that Saudi Arabia would raise its output to offset losses from a large Russian production cut and ultimately bring prices back down? Yeah, so they have, uh, Saudi's got, probably has accumulated maybe 3 million barrels a day now of spare capacity, um, given its production cuts that it's made so far. And given that we would expect that, you know, they're capable of producing something close to 12 to 12 and a half million barrels a day, if they ramp to full capacity right now. They have been aggressively trying to uh, reduce the inventory overhang uh, that has been suppressing the market right now, suppressing the price of Brent. That's largely the result of an extraordinarily mild winter, which we've written about at length. Uh, which left a lot of unintended inventory accumulation in crude oil and uh, distillate markets, which include heating oil. It also reflects the massive drawdown of the U.S. uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR. So we're pretty much through those two big accumulations of inventory. Um, The SPR was essentially a huge transfer. It's like 200 million. 206 million, if you count the um, the release in the second quarter of this year, 206 million barrels of crude oil transferred out of the SPR, the U.S. SPR, and into commercial inventories, which you know reduced the need to buy flowing oil and oil on the the market, uh, which is where you know Saudi and everybody else sells their uh, crude. But we pretty much drained them down, and we expect that we're not going to get another big release of SPR barrels. Uh, you know, they're down to about 100 or 345 million barrels of inventory, and that's very close to a level at which they can't do anything unless there's a declaration by the president that we have a true emergency, and uh, he authorizes drawdowns below 340 million barrels. That's going to get a little bit iffy, though, because the deeper you go into those salt caverns where the SPR is stored, the more you're going to be drawing crude oil that's had a lot of metals and you know sediment settled to the bottom. And every time you withdraw, you get these big chunks of salt that fall into the crude. So uh, by the time you're down to those that really low level that we're at right now, the crude that's left in there has more salt in it, more metals, more sediment and all. 
So it becomes less and less attractive for refiners to run as you continue to draw it down. I don't think Saudi does anything until about prices start moving beyond $130, $140 a barrel. They have been living with the consequences of this massive drawdown of the SPR, as well as the very mild winter that we had, and also the Fed's rate hikes, which have made it much more expensive to store inventory. So now they're finally getting to the point where high interest rates are making it unattractive to store inventory. So there's an incentive to you know, draw down stocks and they continue to reduce their production, you know, extending this unilateral million barrel a day production cut now into September. You know, the goal of this is to get prices, in, in my thinking, uh, above $100 a barrel. And they would probably wait to act and wait to see how this plays out and whether or not this is, you know, a design uh, by Russia to extend the war into the economic realm. And then by the time we got into the 130, 140 range, they would start considering it and start preparing to bring more oil to the market. Because I don't think Saudi wants to see a huge price spike that would lead to demand destruction. That that doesn't do anything for them. But, you know, $130 a barrel is something we've already lived with. We know what it feels like. Households will adjust around that. And on that topic of demand, uh, let's shift our attention to the demand side of the equation. How does the Chinese economy fit into this outlook? So our colleague, Arthur Budakian, who heads BCA's China Investment Strategy Service, has argued that the policy stimulus that we've seen coming out of China so far falls short of what's needed to generate a meaningful economic recovery there. And he expects that to remain the case. What are you modeling in terms of EM oil demand? And in the context of a risk of a large Russian supply shock, what would be the impact on oil markets if we get a scenario in which Beijing surprises us with irrigation-style stimulus? It's very interesting. China hit record oil demand uh, in March of this year at 16 million barrels a day. In our uh, modeling, which is driven by GDP growth, you know they averaged something very close to 16 million barrels a day this year. So that puts them only 4 million barrels a day uh, below where the U.S. is. That's a critical piece of data. China's demand in the first half of this year roughly accounted for half of the 1.85 million barrel a day increase in EM demand. So whatever they're doing with the crude, if it's you know storing it in anticipation of higher volatility in the event that the uh, Ukraine war takes a turn for the worst on oil supply, or they're actually uh, using it, they've, they've been building out their own refining sector, they've become a a uh, large exporter of refined products into the Asia market. Uh, some of that actually ends up uh, over in the West at times. China has definitely been a very strong bid in the market this year, uh, you know, hitting record volume. I don't think that the lack of aggressive stimulus has reduced the demand for oil. If anything, we, like I said, we, we've seen it growing. And, and that, by the way, that first half oil demand that we saw, um, you know, the EM markets were up 1.85 million barrels a day. DM markets were actually down about 20,000 barrels a day. So all of the global growth in oil demand came out of EM. Half of that came out of China. So I don't think we see oil demand falling for anything that you can ascribe to uh, you know, active Chinese uh, intention to not allow its economy to continue to increase commodity imports. Well, Bob, thank you for sharing your thoughts. It was great catching up with you. 
Thank you. Appreciate it, Rukaya. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.